Welcome back to ESPN's Ball in the Real World podcast. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, and I'm pretty excited today because the build-up is continuing to the FIBA Women's World Cup, tipping off in Sydney on the 22nd of September. So as we are recording this, it's about a week away. So we're going to continue our Opals coverage in the lead-up to the opener against France next Thursday night. So if you missed last week's podcast, you should go back and check that out. I caught up with head coach Sandy Brondalo, which I thought was a really fascinating conversation there with Sandy. And today, uh, we've got Sarah Blitzarves, obviously a very important piece of the Opals squad, the Opals roster that's hoping to get back on the podium uh, in this year's World Cup. And then uh, Jenny Screen, Opals legend in her own right, and uh, will be a part of the ESPN broadcast team uh, for the World Cup. I caught up with Jenny uh, to get her perspective of, this Opals team, uh, the difficulty of the group stage that the team is going to have to navigate, uh, and then everything in between. It's always a great chat uh, with Jenny. So Sarah Blitzavs and Jenny Screen on today's show. And I will just remind you, catch every Opals game. In fact, catch the entire World Cup on ESPN uh, for the entirety of the tournament. There's going to be plenty of other things going on. There's pregame shows and the likes. Uh, so keep an eye out for times there, but you'll be able to catch it all on ESPN. I'm just fortunate that I get to hang around uh, with some Opals legends that are going to be on the broadcast. So I can't wait to get up to Sydney. It's going to be a lot of fun, uh, but let's get into today's episode. Uh, Sarah Blitzarves and Jenny Screen. All right, joining us now, uh, currently on the Gold Coast at Opals Camp as we continue our preparation and excitement for the Women's World Cup in Sydney, Sarah Blitzarves. Uh, it's always nice to chat with you. And how is the Gold Coast? Well, it's not too bad. Um, I can't complain. It's a lot better <laughs> long at the moment. So we're, in, we're not in a hoodie anymore. So like I said, I cannot complain. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I thought we were going to do this yesterday and I was going to brag that it was actually, it was a scorcher. It was 20 degrees in Geelong yesterday. Beautiful stuff. But uh, what do you guys get up to at a camp? Now, clearly you guys are preparing. Clearly there's plenty of time on court. But as I peruse social media i see you're at it looked like a sanctuary a zoo of some sort what other activities are you up to up there um yeah i guess we do train quite a lot and we do have (laughs) meetings so preparation is number one of most importance um but yeah there was a few of us that were sorry truck i'm outside right now um (laughs) There was a few of us that were lucky enough to go to the Kurumban Sanctuary. We got to hold koalas. We got to be (laughs) animals. So definitely something that I'm very into. Um, We haven't had a lot of spare time yet. Um, Like I said, we've been doing two-a-day sessions. We train this morning. We play against um, some men tonight as well. So, yeah, it's been very full-on. I guess, like I said, the World Cup, baby, you know, number one preparation, got to get to that stage. So super exciting. So by the time people are listening to this, you'll already be in Sydney. But when you have, and, and I think for we were talking to Sandy Brandala yesterday, and this preparation compared to what you're able to get before the Olympics is, yeah, it's it's not even comparable. But even still, you have all these warm-up games. What What is the balance for you in not doing too much and ensuring you get to the 22nd, given how many games you have, in good shape? Yeah. No, that's a good question because it is it is very full on and you can get, I guess, a little bit overwhelmed with the amount of sessions we have. And 
I guess just being in this intense basketball environment for a whole month, it can be, I guess, a little bit mentally draining. So just making sure that you can, I guess, for me, it's like normalizing how I would act at home. So if I want to be away from the girls, I'll be away from the girls. If I want to go and sit outside, I will um, go and do my own thing as well. Cause you've, you've got to still be able to live. And I think have a nice balance of being very intense and very professional and also just relaxing and, and doing your own thing. I know that helps me. So um, we've been doing a fair few of us have actually been doing a lot of mindfulness and meditation in the morning. Now, um, Olaf, our assistant coach has been running us through that. And I think that helps and um, plenty of coffee dates, <laughs> plenty of catching up with friends. Yeah. Like I said, just trying to be as normal as possible. Are you someone who can separate your mind from the idea of what's a week away? Yes, I am very much so. Um, I always play the best when I'm happiest and when I'm most relaxed. And for me, that is separating basketball quite a lot. Um, like I said, it's a high-pressure environment. So when I'm done with training, when I'm done with all our commitments, what can I do now that you know is away from basketball and, and keeping myself relaxed and as happy as possible? That's, has, have you always been like that? Like I, I feel like that is, I mean, it's a, it's a great thing. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's something that's easy for everyone else. Did you have to build yourself to that point or has that always been something you've been pretty good at, uh, having other things outside of sport? Yeah, no, it's definitely something that I built towards. Um, when I was younger, I was much more of a head case, but I think for me, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, elite athletes. Yeah, it's a good Hey, but you may as well, if that's what you think, that's what you think. Yeah. I think um, it was more that I actually had the awareness to realize that I was and, you know, I didn't like after playing the game how upset or how involved I was in my head and how much I was constantly thinking about it. So I started to find ways to help me kind of separate that. And over the last maybe three years, I've realized that basketball is not the most important thing in the world as much as it is my job and, you know, we're playing for Australia it's not and it's it all comes down to what makes me happy and what makes me like I said mentally refreshed and most relaxed so um, I've done a lot towards it a lot of like um, zoning out like I said mindfulness my the beach is my happy place so anytime I feel like I'm overthinking I'm straight there I'm in the water um, you know and, and just like I said just realizing that there's more to life and yeah trying to separate the two but it took a while it definitely took a while yeah, so I, I was thinking about the last few years for you then. So you obviously went to the Olympics, but there were, the last few years for me at least anyway, it feels that if I'm thinking, okay, who's going to be in this squad? Who's going to play in this next tournament? You've got yourself to a point where I just, and you might not feel this way, but I assume, okay, well, Sarah's going to be there. Uh, so if you said that that time frame was around three years, what is the, I guess, the balance between that part of the game that you think has helped you improve and then, Otherwise, just, I guess, maturing as a player? Um, probably lowering expectations and lowering the pressure on myself. Um, again, I did see a sports psych for quite a while and that helped me immensely. A lot of that was, um, I guess, for me coming back from a knee injury, but a lot of it also was my head and just trying to separate the two. Um, and then when I say lower expectations, I, I come into every camp not trying to make a team. I just come to, hey, can I get better for next week? Like, 
let's train hard, let's get fit, let's work on my game. I'll go back into NBL 1 or WNBL and I'll be a better player. And that's how I see it rather than trying to make a team. Um, and, yeah, I guess that just the, the stress and, like I said, the pressure has kind of gone and not once did I think that I was a certainty for this team at all. So that's actually a very nice <laughs> Thank you. Um, I was definitely over the moon and, and it's super excited to find out that I'd made this team. Um, but yeah, whether I did or I didn't, like I said, you know, there's more life and there's other things that make me happy. So it's it's all okay. All right. So with that, all that being said, um, if, again, I said I, I look from the outside and I look at the social media and um, one of the things I've always appreciated with the squad, the Opals, is that um, every time you get together, it's like a bunch of excited children to hang out with each other again. And sometimes I sit there and think, how does Sandy control this group together? So they're also, as, as much as you say, lower expectation, whatever it may be, it does seem that this is a super, super close group. I can guarantee that you're going off Kayla George's Instagram. Am I right? <laughs> Listen, I don't want to name names but they, they could have been one of the culprits yeah we um we're just such a tight-knit group and we've all gelled so but you know it's something that we've all worked on too we've done heaps with culture this year especially um you know we didn't want that stressful olympic environment that we had last year so we've just built towards it and honestly it's so rare but we're a part of a team where every single one of us all get on so well and it doesn't matter who we're roomed with it doesn't matter like who you want to go to coffee with. Everyone is so tight and that in itself just makes this environment great. We come into this, we're playing for each other, we have each other's backs and we genuinely like hanging out with each other and I think that's right there is going to be our advantage going into this tournament as well. Yeah, the culture piece feels like from everyone I spoke to was such a big thing the last 18 months or post-Olympics. So uh, one of the things that Sandy was saying, uh, telling me yesterday was that when Patty Mills visited you guys, in New York and um, that the players had no idea it was about to happen. So I've heard Sandy's side of things. And I think, you know, someone having someone like Lauren back in the camp clearly is a big part of it as well. But uh, what was the player's perspective of, of Patty and what you were able to get out of that? Because when you talk about culture in Australian basketball, clearly uh, he's one of the first people, people that you think of. Yeah. Um, he's such a role model and he's such an inspiration. Honestly, it's, um, it was really like humbling listening to him speak. And it was really, I guess, you know, he's in Australia, especially he's just put on this pedestal as, you know, Patty Mills and all this, but he's so down to earth and so normal. And um, just hearing the way he viewed the boomers and where he brought the boomers from to where they are now, you know, he's very much a part of that, if not the reason why they've done so well. And um I think for, for me taking something out of that, it, it was like the legacy and, and then leaving something behind as well. And, you know, it's playing for Australia is such a proud, honourable thing. And um, I think some people do take that for granted and just realising how special this is for a lot of people makes you kind of want to do it well, want to do it justice, you know. It's it's very much playing like with a lot of pride and um, he was very inspiring, you know. He makes you want to... I guess like we want Opals to be there and we want Opals to be this like tight knit, you know, high cultured group. And I think that's something that, like I said, we're really striving towards and we're almost there now. Uh, what do you think about the balance of the squad? It, it's 
there's a lot of um i guess fours or fives but then there's there's players that are going to be playing in in different positions and you might be one of them that plays across multiple positions in this tournament what, what do you think about the makeup of this squad because clearly like always there was some players that were obviously very unlucky yeah there definitely was I mean when it got cut down to 15 anyone could have been in the team so it is super sad unfortunately that sport you have to cut three people um but I I love it I love I love that we're we're a big team we're tall um I'm playing a guard <laughs> um, right. I love, I mean, that's my, yeah. that's my position, but I'll be moved into the big as well, into the four spot too. And um, honestly, I think it's just a nice mix. We're competitive. We're all aggressive. We're hustlers. Um, you know, we, we know our roles and we know what we all bring. And I just think it's an exciting mix of like youth, age. I don't know if I'm a veteran. I mean, I'm 29. I have a bit of experience, but I'm going to say I'm still in one of the younger ones. Yes. <laughs> when you've got a 42-year-old on the team, you're still pretty young. <laughs> Are you allowed to say that? Do you bring that uh, up? You... All the time, so it's fine. But <laughs> um, it's a really exciting group, and it's it's. I think for us, what's really cool is we all have heart, and we're all super competitive, you know. And you can't teach that. That's something that you naturally have, and I think that's going to get us over the line for a lot of games. Uh, so. You have played for Australia a number of times, though, so I won't I won't say you're a veteran, but there is someone like uh, Christy Wallace comes into the squad. She's had a long journey to get here. Uh, Annalie Maley's clearly had a, a crazy 18 months. So uh, how do you see the excitement? Do you think about yourself, the first major tournament that you came into when you see uh, these players have their opportunity? Yeah, I'm super excited for them. I think they fit in so well with our team, so well. And you're right, like looking back at them and probably seeing how nervous they're going to be and <laughs> you know, how hyperactive they're probably both going to be, I was absolutely there. And, again, when I saw my sports psych, that's something that I worked um, on with him is like trying to keep my levels, you know, at a medium, not too highly aroused, not too low, you know, trying to be right there. And, and watching them is going to probably make me realise how far I've come, you know, mm. where, wow, experience actually is a thing and it calms you and all this stuff. But what's so great about those two especially is they're just so aggressive and, you know, like no matter what, you're always going to get 100% effort out of them and um, just good teammates, like just just a joy to be around. So do you go to them and or do you just let them figure it out. I mean, I'm sure there's a line there where you, you know, are a leader and you maybe talk about your own experiences and then there's probably part of it that they have to figure out on their own. Yeah. I mean, I'm super positive and um, I guess quite confident now. And, and for me, it's just making sure that I'll, I'll always try and uplift everyone. You know, it's not just the younger ones, it's, it's everyone. And that's, I feel like one of my responsibilities being here is making sure everyone's happy and up and about. Um, but I would never overstep it. I mean, I'm close with both of them. And if they wanted to come to me about anything, you know, my door's open. And if they want to talk to me about that stuff, but I, I wouldn't push it because I think it's something that they also need to, you know, work out in their own heads. And, you know, if, if they want advice, they'll source it. If not, they're not going to listen. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably right. So you, you mentioned... Uh, Lauren so what's the experience for you and clearly you're gonna by the looks gonna spend a lot of time around Lauren over the next 
season, whatever it may be. Uh, so what's the what's the first feeling when you walk into training camp or you see Lawrence with you and uh, clearly uh, just a, a humongous figure in, in the game? Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. It was so surreal. I mean, she's the GOAT, right? It's not just like even a GOAT in Australia. She was like the GOAT yeah. in women around the world. Um, so just being, I guess, next to her and in her presence is just such an honour as well. But she, um, I mean, she's so experienced and she just knows what she's talking about. So anything that comes out of her mouth, you're so engaged with and you're just listening and trying to like bring it all in and take it all in and um you know, it's quite humbling too that she is nervous, you know, and she is, you know, she still has those emotions of the game. <laughs> You're freaking out a little bit and it's like, oh, my gosh, she's a human, right? <laughs> but she's um, she's fitted in great with us and, you know, she's a beautiful girl as well and um, obviously still super talented and, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's unreal to be able to play with her considering, you know, we were watching her when we were growing up and then oh, I'm actually in the team with you now, you know? Let's get a photo together. <laughs> well, that's that's the interesting thing because you know, Sandy was talking about that and then she said, by the way, don't get it mistaken. She will surprise some people on the court. So you've seen it. I haven't seen it in person. So were you surprised? Because it's, uh, I mean, the thing that I just keep coming back to, it's not just a comeback. It's yeah. never It's never been done before. It's been six, seven, eight years. It's wild, isn't it? It's absolutely wild. But honestly, playing in Australia in front of, you know, family and friends, her kids, I think she's going. So I think she come out absolutely firing because maybe she'll have that added pressure, but I think she's someone that plays best with pressure on her. And um, look, honestly, she can still shoot the absolute piss out of it. That's something you don't use. And I was watching, I'm like, Give her the ball on the three-point line and just go to work. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm obviously very excited to see it. Uh, so before this, and you're on the Gold Coast now, you've had a crazy few months. I'm from Geelong, so I'm a little bit biased, and I'm not supposed to admit it, but I'm a little bit biased when it comes to you and your brother <laughs> being, being a Geelong boy. So I was trying to set something up with both of you guys. And the reason why I wanted to do it is because this month is actually the perfect time to look at it and look at how absolutely ridiculous it is that you're about to play for Australia in a World Cup. Uh, he's Mark is is chasing something in his sport. Do you ever think about it? I mean, it's obviously so normal for you and it's something that you're used to for a long time, but do you ever look at that and just say, this is one of the more, in my opinion, remarkable families from a sporting perspective in Australia? And I just don't think it gets talked about enough. Well, I'm going to add to that as well. So Chris, my oldest brother, he um, won the Red Bull three-on-three champs yeah, at yes. some in Feb. And they're actually going away to Cairo, Egypt, the same week as Worlds as well, and the same <laughs> week as the grand final. So all three of us, all three children, will be doing something big in the sporting world, hopefully if Mark makes it. Um, but, yes, it's... It's kind of wild, it is. You know, I was selfishly a little bit upset so I was really hoping, you know, my brothers could come and watch. But also I'm a little bit upset because if they made the grand final, I would love to be there and watch. <laughs> so, look, it's a hard issue for the parents, that's for sure. Um, you know, who are you going to support? But I'll let them go to the grand final because, you know, we do play eight games. So 
they've got an opportunity to watch me. Um, but it's cool. Like I'm, I'm super proud of him and, um, you know, it's really nice that we can kind of share these experiences in a way together and you go through two of the biggest times in our life and our sporting careers at the same time. You know, we can feed off each other and, um, you know, check in with each other and I think it's, it's super cool. Yes, I am always scared of jinxing things, but I may or may not have a flight book just in case I need it because you guys aren't playing in on the on grand final day. So uh, if I need to make a 24-hour trip from Sydney to Melbourne, I will do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you Probably not a luxury you have, um, but I had a, a number of people that have mentioned to me because we've seen a lot of crossover between sports. Now, clearly... I would have to guess you're pretty talented across multiple sports. And I had multiple people say, you know, out of all the players that are playing basketball, if Sarah wanted to go play footy, she could do it easily. But I'm not worried about that. I'm wondering about Mark on the basketball court with you. Have you had to teach him a lesson more than a number of times? Does, well, can he at least hold his own? Yeah, no, he can. I mean, all three of us kids played basketball growing up. So he yeah. knows so he's still good I mean he's six or six and he's athletic so he'll be fine <laughs> during the COVID years when um last year the year before when I had an exemption to still train because I was training for all the Australian stuff he actually was allowed to come and um, work out with me so I took Mark for a couple of indies on court like a couple of like hour and a half training sessions um got him going through ball handling some different finishes at the rim <laughs> so He's a little bit rusty when it comes to an outside shot. I, I probably wouldn't trust him on the three-point line, but um, inside the key and just an absolute defender, you know, he'll always still be really good at that. <laughs> um, so you kind of hinted to it. So your parents do have a, a choice to make. Uh, so they will be in Sydney, obviously, at, at some point. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So dad's actually managed to book the whole time. Mum held off for the first two days, I think, just in case. Dad was like, oh, I can just watch that on TV, you know still more important with the basketball stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, I guess it's difficult because I don't want to jinx it. Like I really hope they're great, but yeah. you just know, you never know. No, tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> all right. So what, as we wrap this up, so, so a couple more days on the Gold Coast. And again, by the time people are listening to this, you'll already be in Sydney, but you have a few warm up games. Um, what does it look like uh, in the lead up to the 22nd against France? Yeah, well, like I said, we're playing against guys tonight and then we've got, I think it's four practice games. So we're playing France, China, Belgium and Puerto Rico, I think. So incredible experience and great prep um, for the Worlds. Just, you know, we're playing against different styles of play. So it's um, yeah going to benefit us, benefit us immensely. And we get Steph and Ezzy. You know, unfortunately, unfortunately, they lost the <laughs> final <laughs> so have them back in the mix and you know now as a whole group we can just work on like our roles and you know what's expected from us and actually have a really good preparation before the cup and um you know I'm super excited to get into Sydney and start playing games and you know being around the fields and I guess um you know like there's this there is a little bit of added pressure because we are at home soil, you know, but I, to me, it's so exciting. I've got so many people coming up and watching and I'm so excited to be able to, you know, catch up with them for coffee during the day and know that they're coming to watch me play that night. And, um, you know, it's just super cool. So yeah, just super good prep now. 
two weeks exactly from this day um, before we play our first game. And, yeah, just trying to stay fit and ready and, you know, be good. So, last one. You said that you can switch off, but I'm here and there is a lot of tickets being sold and people are very excited for this. And I thought back to Tokyo and it was still such a weird situation with fans and all those types of things. So uh, it is a first for a lot of the players in this squad playing at home. Um, but I think it's going to be pretty crazy. I, yeah. You know. <laughs> Just a little bit. Look, I am still anxious and nervous and I'll, I'll be very excited all at the same time. I think... Once you play your first minute out on court, everything will be okay. But you've just got to get that first minute over and done with, you know. All the nerves, touch the ball a bit, run around, play some good D and you'll be fine. But honestly, like for me, I just, I wish we were playing starting the tournament tomorrow. I hate this waiting around. It's like, come on, let's get to it, you know. We're here now. But I understand it has to happen. And, um, yeah, it's going to be unreal. Like I said, to, to play a game, you know, the biggest tournament in the world for women's basketball on home soil. And after a game, you look up in the crowd and you're like, there's all my family and friends. I just think that's such a cool feeling and something that I'll never take for granted. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to get up there as well. So uh, looking forward to watching the team and looking forward how it goes. Thank you very much for spending some time with us in a, in a busy week. Thanks, Kane. Appreciate it. <laughs> Joining me now, uh, an Opal's legend in their own rights and now, in my opinion, one of the best broadcasters in the business as well, Jenny Screen. It's a pleasure to have some time with you in your busy day. Oh, Kane, you've just found me just in the right sweet spot where my daughter is asleep. So let's do this. I'm excited. The World Cup is just around the corner. Yeah, so it's not about us, obviously, uh, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we did just have, and we can say this because I think it was exciting and it was a moment for me when I realized that, okay, yes, this is a week away. So we just had a meeting and we're both going to be in Sydney. We'll be working uh, alongside each other. And I think it was probably the moment where I was like, geez, it is in seven days. Everyone will be in Sydney starting to get ready. So for you and you, it's probably lots of memories from player uh, to now what you're doing. Uh, what does that feel like for you? Oh, look, I, I saw a picture come up the other day of Lauren um, announcing 500 days till the World Cup and, <laughs> and Australia and Sydney was going to host it. And, and you think, oh, that's ages away. That's ages away. And now Lauren was going to be an ambassador, but now she's in the team. And, and I think of it seven days to 500 from 500 to seven days. It's just crazy. And before you know it, um, you know, the teams will be flooding into, into Sydney Olympic park, getting comfortable for two weeks. And, and uh, we get to showcase a great women's basketball uh, right here in our home soil, which we haven't been able to do since 94. So I'm very excited and I'm very envious that these Opals girls, these 12 girls get to showcase to Australia, how good we are. So, uh, and I just spoke with Sarah and uh, she was saying that for herself, she can be pretty relaxed and she can sort of separate herself um, from what's about to come. Now, you know, maybe inside, it's a little different, <laughs> but as it starts to get so close, what do you imagine uh, that they're going through? Because this is, yes, it's a major tournament, but the home soil element of this obviously uh, elevates this a little bit. It elevates it and it can also make it, it's it's two pronged sword, right? It elevates in the sense that there's the the sixth player is is 
the crowd and and promoting us and and supporting us and they become like an extra person on your bench but at the same time it also escalates the pressure the pressure to do well on home soil some do and thrive in that environment and some really struggle sarah you know she does have that capability she can just go with the flow and you know whatever happens happens mentality but for some of them there is a lot of pressure you know tess Magin, captain for the first time uh we know how much she loves to win how passionate she is about the green and gold there will be an element of pressure for her going into this but hopefully they can come together as a cohort and as a team trust in their system and um you know use each other's energy in a positive way to get the outcome which they want which i think ultimately would be going up against usa in the gold medal game so uh, when you talk about pressure and the opals it's been over two decades now of people just assuming that they'll show up to a tournament and be at least in medal contention. And even for the World Cups, uh, it is, I think, five out of the last six they have at least been in a medal game all the way back to 94. And there was one World Cup uh, that wasn't the case. But so with that, there is a lot of people and there'll be a lot of eyeballs on this tournament that, that maybe don't watch basketball every day and they'll just sit back on the couch and think, well, Australia should win a medal. That's, yeah. that's the expectation that the Opals have put on themselves for being so successful for so long. Yeah, I think it's synonymous success and the Opals pretty much go hand in hand and have for a long time. And that comes through the the rich history that we have and how proud we are of our history. And we continue that in saying that the rest of the world are catching up. They're good. We, yes, we do bat, about, bat above our average compared to some other countries um, like the USA who have 300 million people mm-hmm. to pick from um, and probably could, you know, suit out four teams. But us, we always bat above our average. Um, we're always the underdog, but um, there is now this expectation. And and I like that we have this expectation that we've created this because we are good enough and we do work hard and we can compete on the world stage, I think, with any team that ever turns up to a World Cup. So, you know, I'm excited by it. Um, the challenge is there. It's been a rough kind of two years for the, the girls. But let's not forget back at the World Cup in 2018 in Spain, we got silver. So, you know, fast forward four years and whilst, you know, Tokyo didn't go to plan. Um, Maybe it was the slap in the face that we needed uh, in order to rise again, shall we say, from the ashes. So we'll talk about uh, some of the teams that the Opals are going to play in the group stage. It's kind of interesting looking at the way this tournament is set up. Two groups, six teams in each. Very different to 2018, as you mentioned, where you had four groups. And there was probably more teams in the tournament that the Opals would go in and think we should win. And up until that gold medal game, they were plus 130 or whatever it was. I mean, they really, the the tough game against Spain to get to the gold medal game, but they cruised before that. Mm. Uh, It doesn't feel like this is going to be the case in this tournament. You get France on night one, and then you've got a number of teams going through there. There's not really a chance to warm up into this tournament. No. um, And that's... That's also fraught with danger. Uh, France have always been our nemesis. They were our nemesis in uh, 2012 in my Olympic campaign when they butted us out from potentially facing the USA in the gold medal game and we lost an overtime to them. Uh, but they're, they're a bit underdone. Uh, they've lost us, uh, Sandra Gruda, their centre, their, their, their cog in their wheel, if you will, um, their motor. She's, she's out with injury and they've got a couple of others down as well. But, you know, I'm looking forward to the backcourt matchups with Johannes uh, an amazing point guard. She just played with New York Liberty under Sandy Brondello. So she's going to know bits and pieces about the Opals and what we do and what we run and how Sandy acts as a coach. So that will be an intriguing insight. 
uh, and probably a one-up for France. But, you know, um, all the work's done. These girls have been preparing for the World Cup now for over 12 months. Um, they're all elite. They're all professional. And it doesn't matter who turns up. And, yeah, you might want an easy game on day one, but you got to beat everyone. And if we have to beat France in game one, well, then let's bring it on and and uh, take it to them. But I'm, I'm confident. Uh, the one that always struggles me is like the Mali types, you know, <laughs> the athletic, raw, talented. They've gone through the college system. They're a little bit um, unorthodox in the way they play. France, I think, were a better matchup. But they're the ones that scare me a little bit because you just never know what's going to present itself on game night. So... I, I'm confident now when the, the World Cup draw first came out, I was like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> Timzy, what have you done? You know, we're in trouble because she did the draw, right? Um, and she drew it out for FIBA. But now I look at it, I look at our team, uh, the experience we have combined with the youth, um, and and I see France, I see Serbia, I see Mali, Japan, obviously that quick kind of Asian-style game, but none of them scare me like, I thought they were going to. Um, I feel confident in our team and I I now reckon we'll we'll get it all the way through the quarterfinals and then it's whatever happens then. What do you think of the makeup of the squad? It, it is interesting and obviously Big, we can, huge. Yeah, They're that's tall. Right. Well, that's right. And and I that was the first thing that caught my eye and probably a lot of people's eye when they were just reading the names. I was thinking, well, this is interesting. Are they one? ball handler short or at one perimeter player short. How, how did you see it? Well, to be honest, uh, well, my first word was big. Oh my God, we're yeah. huge. I think that's the probably one of the biggest teams we've ever, we've ever suited in terms of the four or five spots. I think, you know, rolling the dice on Lauren, uh, which I think is, is, is great for women's basketball. It's great for the Opals. It's great for Australia. Uh, she'll have an impact, whether it's 10 minutes on the court and look, I only think she'll play and I'm only spitballing here. But if I'm the coach, I'm not playing her against Mali and I'm not playing her against probably Japan. I'm just going to park her for the Europeans and let her bang and go to work. And she may be 41, but when she steps on court, it's still Lauren Jackson and people Mm -hmm. are still going to poo their pants having to go up against her because she'll have that, I'm going to kill you look in (laughs) her eyes. I have no doubt. And I played with that and I loved having that next to me as as a trust, if you will. Um, But, you know, I think the girls will do – they'll – They'll work it out. Um, you know, I think in terms of the point guard spot, I think Tess is great because she's a two, she's a two one type. She's a combo guard. We saw she did well against Japan in a series earlier on this year um, in terms of bringing the ball up and, and the game's changed a lot. Um, there's not really that definite and defining point guard that we've known in the past and a lot more players flip and float between different positions, if you will. So I think, I think we'll be okay. Um, I'm just worried about more containing the ball at times, uh, especially with the speed of some of the guards, but Steph Talbot, she's an international defender. I back Tess in a lot as well to be a great defender. And then, Hey, you got Christy Wallace coming off the bench who we know is a pocket rocket. Um, and I am a big fan of that girl. She's had a WNBA season under her belt. Her body seems to be right. And I think she's going to be a little bit of an factor coming off the bench for the opals as well so even if we go back 12 months ago and i was chatting with sandy back then and she said well we're going into a new era we're not going to have the perhaps the the size that we've had in previous years and you think you say okay well it's been two decades of having lauren jackson then you go straight into liz so it's like well we're not going to have that anymore uh they do and it depends how you know as you said what what minutes lauren will play 
But regardless, uh, the size is still there and they're, maybe they're bigger than what they thought they were going to be 12 months ago as they projected ahead. So uh, Sandy was talking about playing a different style and maybe they need to play faster. Uh, how do you see it playing out now with this group? Uh, depends on their combinations on the court. Mariana Tolo, she's got a wealth of experience under her belt. She's played in Australia. She's played in Europe. She knows the European teams like at the back of her hand. She's played in France for multiple seasons. I think you'll see have her have an impact. I thought she was great in, in spurts in Tokyo. Um, then you got Kayla Francis. She's another one. She can get up and down the floor really quickly. So this game of style or the style of game that we play with her compared to Tolo in the court, I think will be a little bit different. Um, and then our wing types, you know, our power forwards uh, in in Spider, Beck Allen and, and Blitzarves, they've got pace. So, yep, I'd love to see them play with pace. You take out Liz Cambage, um, where it's been a, a big focus of that type of player and as it should be. But now I think you're going to see a lot more contributions for a lot more players. And it's not going to be, you know, someone's got 30 points and, and uh, 10 rebounds. I think you're going to be a, a nice even sp- um, spread of scorers, contributors, which ultimately I think makes us harder to defend um, because other teams have to scout us and scout us deep in terms of who they're going to have to shut down. Okay, we shut down Kalo, Kayla, we shut down Tolo, we do a good job. Oh, shit, Lauren Jackson subbing <laughs> in. Ah, how do we do that? And and Lauren, you know, she may not bang like she used to, but she can shoo, still shoot the crap out of the ball um they just played a game recently and i think she went four or five from deep and um so she's just gonna do what she does and float around the three-point line and knock down threes because we haven't shot well from the three-point line for a, a lot of campaigns to date hey i'll take that any day of the week so i've also just been fascinated from the outside about what the impact will be of lauren just being around the team and there's been so much talk about culture and those types of things. And clearly if you bring in Lauren, there's a lot of uh, knowledge and and history there with bringing her in. So I was thinking about you when you came into the Opals team, Lauren's already a superstar at that point in time. So what about the players that uh, the age that you were and then Lauren's still there, but she's still a superstar. Um, is uh, are people nervous? Is, is she, what, what goes know. through their head? Oh, mate. I remember the first time I met Lauren and, and I, I was in the team, but I was a fan, right? Like, I'm like, oh my God, that's Lauren Jackson. (laughs) And and she was at her peak then. And you got to think these girls that are playing with her now would have grown up watching her play. That's the crazy thing about it. So there's going to be a lot of fanning around, but I think, you know, Lauren comes into this, this tournament different to what she did in the past. The expectation isn't for Lauren to carry the team on her shoulders and get them to gold. The expectation for Lauren is to fill a spot when it's needed and contribute when you can. And now whether that's on the court, knocking down your threes, getting a couple of rebounds, contesting shots and protecting the keyway, or whether that's on the sideline, sitting on the bench and giving a pat on the back to Kayla, who's come off, who might be struggling or Tolo or anyone, Christy Wallace in her first campaign, um, it might be that it could be Tess Madgen as the captain. Hey, Tess, have you thought about this or that? So yep, there'll be nerves, but I think anyone that knows Lauren, um, Lauren is a very introverted person and she, she'll be just as nervous as every other player in that team. Um, and that's exciting because you know, that still, it means something to her. Um, so I think they're probably over that nerve stage, that fear stage of playing with Lauren Jackson now. Um, and I think it's all just humming, um, pretty well. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what they put out on the floor. 
So it was around 2018 or 19. I was doing some stuff with with Basketball Australia at the time. And I didn't realize I walked into the office and I, I didn't realize that, I mean, it's Lauren Jackson. I didn't think that she was in the office Monday to Friday. I mean, it's, it's just not what you expected. So I walk in the office and they're like, yep, um, just go over to Lauren and ask her this or whatever. And I was like stumbling and bumbling and I didn't make any sense at all. And I think she just looked at me like I was a weirdo, but I, I thought... <laughs> So that's me saying that I can relate. You know, you got to be nervous around Lauren. There's no doubt about that. What about a player like Ezzy? Uh, what what she? Can oh take? my God, we haven't even spoken about Ezzy. I know. You know. Here I am talking about Tolo and and Francis or George, and and here you've got Ezzy, who's had a Opal's slide. veteran, by the way, Jenny, uh, or second World Cup at 22 or 23, however old she is. I know, and and to be honest, I think that's exciting. And you know, she's had a great WNBA season with Seattle. Thank God they lost in the semifinal. That's all I can <laughs> say. Um, and her and Steph Talbot got to come home. But Ezzy, I think we haven't seen the best of Ezzy, and I don't think we will till probably Paris and beyond. Um, maybe LA Olympic. She's still a baby, and I think we forget that. It's like when Lauren made her uh, Opal's debut a uh, debut in the '98 uh, World Cup team at 18 years of age as well. And the pressure's been on her, but now I think she's she's kind of grown into who she is as a person, who she is as a player, what she's good at. And I think, you know, this season, the WNBA, we saw glimpses of what Ezzy is going to be. And, and that's exciting. And uh, I think you're going to see her be quite dominant in this World Cup. Um, and and that excites me that you got Ezzy and then you got, you know, Lauren Jackson checking in for Ezzy um, potentially at some point in the games uh, in the rounds. So, you know, Ezzy is, Ezzy will be whatever Ezzy wants to be. And the greatest thing about that girl is not only is she going to be an amazing player, she is hundred percent, undoubtedly an amazing person and very humble as well. So it's great that we get to have her and get to call her an Opal. Uh, just quickly on the schedule of this tournament, because you mentioned the WNBA. So obviously with uh, Steph and Ezzy, it could have potentially been very interesting and not ideal for that um, game against France. But also Sandy would have hoped that she was still going to be coaching this. Then you not only you don't have a coach, but you don't have Beck, you don't have Sammy. So just in general, the scheduling for this tournament was weird to me from a long way away. Is I, I know it's not easy to well, fit all these things let's in. Just say, let's just say the WNBA and the NBA are like a, a beast unto themselves. <laughs> um, and they really, you know, beat to their own drum. So it is what it is. But I will let you know that, you know, if we rewind to 2006 where we won the World Cup in Brazil and um, we were together as a team two days, <laughs> two days before the tournament started, two days our whole team got together because Tully was playing. Lauren was playing as well for Seattle. They just won. They were in the finals. Two days we got together as a team um, with all the girls. Laura Hodges, um, who then was Laura Summerton, she was playing with Connecticut as well. Erin Phillips was another one. So we had four players missing up until two days before our first game. Then Lithuania um, had to forfeit their first game because they were um, locked down in customs and hadn't had their injections. So our first game, we didn't even get to play. We're playing five on five, a green and gold scrimmage on the main court because we haven't been able to play our first game. So yes, while we want an ideal um, preparation, sometimes ideal is, or not ideal is actually really good because you just got to find a way. And we did in 2006 and maybe, you know, let's fast forward to now and maybe not being ideal is a great thing for these girls as well. So just on that then, because the preparation was a, a big talking point out of uh, the Olympics and they've 
you know, the Sandy and everyone has been pretty open about talking about that. So they've really looked at this from the, the games that they had earlier this year in Canberra to New York. They're really talking this up as a, as a, as a huge bonus for this team. So what, so on the other side of things, what can you get out of this? Uh, two weeks they're going to spend together from the Gold Coast, Sydney play a few games leading in. Yeah, it's called uh, clicking and, and, you know, finding each other's, I guess, comfort zone. Uh, at the same time, though, you don't want to have girls together for too long. It can get <laughs> pretty nasty too. So, you know, two weeks I think is a sweet spot because then you've got two weeks. So that's four weeks of you mm-hmm. with the same 11 people. Oh, I could imagine. I remember when back in 2006 and <laughs> we had six weeks together and you're counting down the days by the end. But, you know, these girls seem to get along really well. They've got a great energy. Um, I think they've selected well in terms of, the cohort and players playing their role. But right now, this next two week is two weeks is about refining little details, counters, um, you know, making sure everything, every stone is unturned and that they're prepared as much as they can. And then the rest will be whatever it's going to be. They've done the hard work. You may need a little bit of luck coming your way at certain times, but now it's about freshening up. Now it's about getting ready and getting excited for what's to come. Uh, so eight games in 10 days, we hope. Uh, that means you're there to the final day. So as a player, do you like that? Do you like that schedule? Would you prefer a few more days off? How do you approach that? Clearly, they're going to have to use 12 players or certainly hope that they'll be able to use 12 players. Yeah, you got to be smart as a coach and how you rotate and, and how you use because fatigue is going to be uh, definitely a factor come medal rounds for sure. So I like that we've got depth and we've got experience that we can probably rotate early in our games, hopefully. And I'm sure Sandy and the rest of her coaching staff have thought about that. Um, in terms of games, look, the Olympics is different. You get day on, day off, day on, day off. Sometimes you might have a bad game or, and you just want to play again the next day. Um, no one wants to train. Everyone, you know, <laughs> is overtraining by that stage. You just want to play. So um, it's not so much about how many games and how many days. It's how you manage your players in those days and making sure recovery is on point, sleep is on point, uh, rotations are on point. And the girls that may not get on court are also staying fit, ready to go potentially because they may not be used at a, at a split second in a game because of foul trouble. So, you know, I, I think eight games in 10 days, yeah, it's hard, but these girls are all pros. You know, if they're not fit now, then, you know, I question if they should be wearing the green and gold. So I say bring it on. The more games in a short amount of time, the better, I say. So outside of Australia, clearly there's going to be a lot of interest in the US. And this yeah. is a different looking US team as well. And there's a few humongous names that aren't going to be there that started against Australia back in 2018. So uh, are they the same team in terms of how fearful everyone should be of them? Uh, No, I don't think we should ever fear them. I think we should always respect them. Um, And fear is not necessary. These girls are all professional. What I will say, I think they're more talented. Like I look at the roster and I go, oh my God, that is amazing. Mm -hmm. What they lack in depth is their experience. Yes, they're starting five. Um, Deladonna's back in and, um, you know, you've got some other great players, but take out Sue Bird, mm-hmm. take out Diana Taurasi. That is, what, five each, five World Cups each they've been to. You can't replace experience. I don't care how talented you are as a young player. Playing on the world stage day in, day out, experience buys you time, experience gets you wins in my opinion so 
yes, why they may not be up to it skill wise, or you know they're falling off the perch in Tarossi and and Bird, they bring a lot of experience that these girls have to find. So I think we're we're at a a time potentially where someone could knock them off. Someone could knock them off, and it's the ones that don't fear them. I think that have the chance. And China's coming. Uh, China is definitely coming and uh, Belgium for me, they just seem they can always just knock someone off at some time. Uh, so last one for you then. So uh, again, we've obviously focusing on what we're going to see the next few weeks on the court, but uh, you've referenced 2006 uh, during this chat. So does it, uh, do you get to a tournament like this or the Olympics previously? And then uh, think about it a little bit more. Yeah, look, I don't, it doesn't pop up a lot in my mind, but yeah, I I, I do reminisce. I get a bit melancholy and nostalgic, <laughs> and uh, go back. And the World Cup was the one and only ever gold medal that Australian basketball or as basketball has ever ever got. And I'm waiting for whether it's the men's or the next women's team to take the next one. And I think it's coming. Uh, whether it be this Opal team or in Paris, um, it's coming. And um, I'm excited. Uh, and it's time. It's time. And I think having this World Cup on world soil will bring a lot of old, not old, that's really disrespectful, a lot of wise and um, veteran type opals uh, in for reunions, which will be so exciting because everyone wants, wants the same thing. And that's for the opals to play really hard and, and do the best that they can for their country. And if that means they medal and get gold and beat USA, so be it. But as long as they work their butts off, I think everyone can respect that and um, and play with the Opal's pride that we know we have done for so very long. So I'm excited. And, uh, yes, I will look back fondly of how good we were once upon a time. Uh, it is going to be very fun, and we're recording this Tuesday afternoon. So nine days, nine days. This time in nine days, we'll be a few hours away. We'll probably be at the arena. We'll be getting excited. People will be starting to, to come in, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Jenny, you're a star, and this was uh, this was good fun. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Kane.